Just two good old boys. Two good old boys. Never mean no harm. Be sorry, never saw the hand, no hair since the day they was born. Straighten the curves. Straighten the curves. Flatten the heels. The coffee might get them, but the Lord never will. We're casting away the only way they know how. With a little They shared a mojo for free Mojo for free But they don't understand Why I can't get their face on TV Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Mojo Radio Show, a little program that helps you get your mojo working in or out of work. If you're new to the show, welcome. We do have people joining us each week who may be new. What do we do here? Well, we just find interesting people from all walks of life, and this week is no exception, to talk to them about what they do, what they specialise in. We can take tips, tools, opinions, thoughts from to help us get our mojo working in or or out of work. So another great show ahead. Before we do that, uh, Robbo, some exciting news in your household. Well, yeah, new addition to the clan. And I meant the free. I meant the free beer. Yeah, well, yeah, the free beer. <laughs> free beer is good, but there's probably one that tops it this week, and that would be little Toby, who was born last Thursday. So, um, uh, that's good. Nine news. pound four ounces. Mum and Bub's doing well. Thank you very much. Is it a tad early to have headphones on the? Little well, tubs? you know, it's never too early. But can I just tell you, just quietly? And this is the God's honest truth. When they, when Toby was born, they he was a C-section, so they took him out of um, the uterus and lay him straight on Tanae's chest for some skin-to-skin time. Um, and then he was there for about 10 minutes and then the nurses said, look, we'll just take him for a minute, we'll just check him over and you can have him back. And I had my back to the nurses' station, but can I just tell you that um, whispered under hushed tones while they were checking me over, one of the nurses said, look at the size of that scrotum. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. No Absolutely. Oh, God's talk, honest truth. Cross my, heart, it up. cross my heart, hope to die. That was whispered under hushed tones at the nurses' station. <laughs> well, it's not bad. I suppose you've had five cracks at it. Finally, you've got someone that's uh, actually got That's right. Someone who outperforms their father. <laughs> Indeed. There you go. All right. Now, folks, because there is a lot going on in the Robbo household, we are going to keep this short and tight today. However, a quick thank you because we did get some free beer sent yes, to the studio this indeed. week. And I've got to say, it warmed the cockles of our heart. It was the other big news is uh, we do this show for nothing. We have no advertising, no sponsors, sadly, but... Um, Two cartons of Doseki did turn up from Tom, who is a long-time listener, first-time beer sender. And he just said it because he said, in his words, he said, Rocktober was white hot. Awesome guests and great production. So, Tom, thanks, mate. That um, that really made our season number five and uh, I'm already halfway through my Well, cartons, you know what so I think like, that else needs to happen here, Bert Whistles? I think regardless of rating or no rating, I think he, Tom, definitely deserves some Buddha brew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll set that up. Actually, I'll, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that out of my um, take that out of your beer out of money. my petty. <laughs> I, I, I'll take it out of my petty cash tin. God, remember the days of oh, petty I cash. Know. Remember, it? yeah, and cab charge Isn't vouchers. That funny, yes. 
can't charge vouchers in going going to the financial controller at Triple M and saying, "Is there anything in petty cash?" And she get the she get the key out and she has to open up the little box and to be like, oh, "Have you got funny. your receipts?" Oh, that was funny. Hey, I'm David Costa, international security expert and tactical trainer. And after working across the globe with international police forces and special operators. Now that I've been on the Mojo Radio Show, I'll be filing my own report. Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is a functional medicine physician. Now, get this, specialising in muscle-centric medicine. So I've got to say, folks, she's very straight up, super knowledgeable. And everything Dr. Gabrielle's about to talk about is evidence-based. And it helps us with the latest science to help us restore our metabolism, balance our hormones, but basically optimise our body composition. Gabrielle has done an amazing amount of study at universities across America and was a national semi-finalist in Fitness America. So here's a lady who is walking the talk, putting the rubber on the road, So this is a lady who knows her stuff, is a regular speaker across America, is a sought-after expert and educator, and is seeing patients in New York City. So Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you. When people meet you and ask you what you do, how do you like to reply? Well, I say, of course, it depends on who I'm talking to, but really what I do is... Ultimately, on a big picture level, is I allow, enable people to be the best version of themselves, right? So I'm actually a physician and um, I utilize medicine to really augment people's lives. I take the best of Western with the best of more alternative. I combine it and I take people from being, from either not feeling well, feeling okay, to just being exceptional, being optimal within their body. And in the work you've done, I saw something that you had spoken about and you said the issue isn't over fat. Everyone focuses on obesity and diabetes. We're not overweight. We are under-muscled. Can you just explain it for me? How does that work? Well, I mean, it works perfect with the Mojo Radio, right? So it's all about the <laughs> <Yeah>. Mojo. <laughs> so, you know... And I don't actually know how this is where you are, but I can tell you, I can speak from, you know, in America, everything is about obesity. It's all about being over fat. There's all the weight loss drugs in the world. And it's very problem oriented when the, if you focus on the adiposity as the problem, that becomes very difficult to fix. But if you look at it from the underbelly and really the issue is being under muscled because muscle is the largest organ in the body. It's the metabolic driver. It's what's responsible for metabolism and essentially body composition. Then that clearly is even in a positive spin, that is the answer. So it's not about being over fat. You address the muscle, the quality of the muscle, the health of this tissue of this organ, and uh, you have a solution. And, and, and it's, it's changing the dialogue, isn't it? Because when you when you hear the term muscle used in general wellness, normally it's associated with going to the gym or, you know, bodies or muscle builders or competitions or Instagram selfies. Like it's muscle doesn't seem to be at the forefront of our conversation for wellness in terms of general health. Not at all. It's the missing link. 
How many of the physicians you know train or work out or even focus on that topic in, in conversation? But it's interesting because muscle is actually an organ. There's a million cardiologists, uh, millions probably an exaggeration. There's many cardiologists, there's many endocrinologists, and they've really overlooked this essential organ. So muscle is actually an organ. And it is the most important building block, just as it's our infrastructure of our body. It is also, you know, it is this structural component, but it's also uh, what allows it to function in a way provides health and longevity. So you just mentioned longevity. I'm curious, what's the impact of muscle on the process of us aging? So the process of aging, actually, if we look at that even on the flip, it's really interesting because the process of aging actually destroys muscle if attention is not, if there's not a lot of attention towards it. So what does that mean? As you age, there's this disease process called sarcopenia and you decrease your muscle strength, size and function, right? We've all seen those elderly people. I mean, maybe not in Australia, you guys are probably super physically active, but what we see is that muscle quality declines and people become very small and tiny as they age. And that is actually due to this thing called anabolic resistance. And without getting too technical, essentially what that means is that the ability for your muscle to actually turn over. So we all eat dietary protein, right? I mean, unless you guys are vegetarian or vegan. Anyone? Anyone? No. no. Okay, so you probably no. meat. Not me. Uh, no, no. No, we love a good steak. We're uh, Australians. Aussies, come on. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> So what happens is if you don't eat a certain amount of protein and resistance train as you age, then you will lose tissue. And for your listeners in terms of really maintaining their mojo or their muscle, right? Mojo and muscle, probably one in the same. You, you know, you need about four or five ounces really per meal. So that's a big hefty portion of animal protein, Per meal, anything less than that doesn't generate muscle protein synthesis. If you don't generate muscle protein synthesis, you become weak and frail and it's preventable. So let's camp there for a second. And we're going to cover, I want to go through this with you, Gabrielle, because I, I think this stuff is really interesting and critically important. And it's, I think it's an area that we don't hear enough of. So if we just camp on the protein for a second... Four ounces, Robert. How much is that in grams? Uh, I don't know, but I can tell I, you. I, I think it's around thirty grams. I think. So, Gabrielle, are we are we talking? I think it is. Whilst you and I chat, Robert can check that up for us. But are we saying that? And I think I've heard you say this: thirty grams of protein three times a day is the sort of protein levels that we should be having in our diet to stimulate muscle. Yes, if you're a 120-pound woman. So we're saying four ounces? Is that right? That's minimum. Four, That's four like the, the minimum for a tiny girl, four for ounces a tiny female. Is hundred close enough to 115 grams. So you would probably, as larger males, do between five and six ounces per meal. Okay. So five or six ounces per meal. What's that, Robbo? Five ounces is 141 grams. So 141 grams. That's... That's a lot, Gabrielle. Well, an egg is an egg, an egg is six or seven grams, right? Correct. A scoop of P 
pea protein would be 20 to 30 grams in a decent scoop. So not all protein is created equal. Plant proteins are totally different than animal proteins. Fish is different than a gravity bearing protein, which is. So if in one ounce of protein, there's five grams, there's five grams of protein if it's a fish in one ounce. And the minimum you need is 30 grams. So that means for you to actually get to 30 grams, that would be six ounces of fish per meal. So 30 grams of protein per meal. So that's a couple of eggs and a can of tuna or it's a decent-sized piece of steak or a chicken breast or something like that. So if we're thinking in terms of – I'm just trying to get my head around this. So if I'm putting a plate down, if I had three eggs, that would be 18 grams. That plus a little bit of fish something else would get me well over what I'd need. And then you're saying I should be doing that at least three times yeah. a day. Is that right? I mean, really, ultimately, it's a per meal amount. And everybody has this concept of protein wrong, right? It is the most controversial macronutrient because it has a face. But when it comes to body composition and really maintaining your muscle, your muscle requires branch chain amino acids for stimulus, Branch chain amino acids are, well, amino acids are the building blocks for protein. Branch chain amino acids are one of those building blocks. Gravity bearing protein, animal protein have a high amount of branch chain amino acids. And it's the reason they they came up with the 30 gram minimum is because you need leucine, a high amount of leucine, about two and a half grams of leucine. And maybe we're getting a little too technical, but... The bottom line is a minimum of 30 grams to stimulate muscle tissue. I think this is interesting. If we can put it down to something which we can get our heads around in terms of, I think, the is it gravity? Gravity bearing. Gravity bearing protein. I love, that's great. So if we think of that in terms of what we need on our plate, and this is for developing muscle, which is just general wellness, it's not being a bodybuilder, this is just general wellness. If I say that that's what I should be doing each day and I have gravity-bearing protein on my plate, which is anything I suspect on legs, am I right in saying that leucine would be in the majority of chicken, fish, beef, lamb, turkey? Is that be right? Yes. So that's not, that's not no, too I reckon yeah. I can do that. I reckon, yeah, yeah. I reckon I've got that. You, you included <laughs> pee in there. And pea and hemp protein do yes. not have the same amino acid profile, so it affects the muscle differently. You need much more pea and hemp to equal the amino acid profile. So, for example, if you take quinoa, everybody says quinoa has protein. You need between four and six cups of quinoa to equal one chicken breast <laughs> in terms of quality. Start now. <laughs> Start at breakfast. Yeah, you guys better be going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. The thing that's got me salivating though is a T-bone for breakfast. That sounds good. There you go. Yeah. That's what I had this morning. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, without, without a word of a lie, because it's only we're recording this mid-morning in Australia time and it's and uh, really. yeah, I actually had steak for breakfast this morning with eggs, so I... I have a, a gravity, gravity bearing breakfast. Had a gravity I'm bearing a breakfast. my mates with that at the pub now. Yeah, I had gravity bearing breakfast this morning. I'm all right. I'm not hungry. All right. So just out of curiosity, what do you guys have for breakfast? Uh, I have Crohn's disease, so I'm a I'm a smoothie smoothie person. In fact, I've been talking to Gary about this the last couple of days because my Crohn's has been flaring up. 
um, and I've been on um, high doses of steroids and I've been trying to fat bomb my smoothie a bit more to keep me full because I found I was getting hungry in the middle of the day and sort of snacking on stupid things like kids' biscuits and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, but no, I'm, I'm a, a green smoothie drinker and I usually – I do put protein um, powders in there and also um, uh, cricket powder um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I supplement – supplement it with bits and pieces as well. Gary, you're a, you, you're a whatever takes your fancy. No, well, this morning I had uh, three eggs, steak, homegrown potatoes, homegrown broccoli uh, with a cup of coffee. So what time are you guys having over breakfast? Uh, I vary a lot because I sort of, I get up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock and, and work for a couple of hours. So it depends on how long my work takes me. If my, my first job of the day that I really want to focus on takes an hour, then I'll eat at 7. But if it takes a couple of hours, it might be 8, 8.30 by the time I eat. I'm, I'm a bit later. I'm a, I'm a 9.30, 10 o'clock guy. I, I tend to um, have dinner as the sun's going down at 6.30 or 7 and then don't eat again until... Sounds good. I'll be over for breakfast. Well, I'll have you over any day. I live on a farm, so we have our own, we raise our own protein and we grow our own seasonal fruit and veggies. Um, so you are absolutely welcome. Do you come to Australia very I've often? I've never been, but I've always wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can, you well, can come to my place and we we'll go to Harry's Cafe de Wheels for a pie and pea floater, some real Aussie nosh, and then you can duck up to Gary's place for a steak for breakfast. Then you'd be a real Aussie. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Now, tell me something. You talked about protein getting a bad rap. Why Why is protein becoming the black sheep of the macronutrient family? It's because it's very emotional for people. Everybody knows that too much sugar is bad. We've pretty much figured out that good fat is good for you. Too much will make you fat. But protein, there's so many myths around it that it's bad for the bone, it's bad for the kidney, Um you name it, and protein's the the problem child, you know. And this is this is seems to be an area that you are kind of specialising in now. And I've heard you speak about the relationship between muscle, which we've on this this ramp at the moment, and the brain. So what what's the connection there, Gabrielle? How does muscle, with the conversation we're having, how does that relate to the brain and its function? You know, when you think about brain function, you have to think about longevity and what keeps you sharp over a lifetime. It's really about being strong for a century. And when you have Alzheimer's or cognitive impairment, those are largely metabolic diseases, whether it's metabolic or vascular disease of the brain it is ultimately a metabolic dysregulation. It's type three diabetes of the brain. Well, type the, the brain is an organ and uh, the major metabolic regulator of the body is muscle. So the healthier your muscle is, the healthier your brain is going to be because your muscle actually regulates your glucose uptake, your sugar uptake. And we know that if I tell you that type three, that Alzheimer's and cognitive impairment is type 3 diabetes of the brain, it would make sense that you must maintain the integrity of the muscle so that you do not overtax the brain, just as you, you don't want to overtax any other organ. Because, you know, it's, it's not talked about, Gabrielle, yet it has an impact on your brain. It has an impact on your aging process. You know, it's it's just such a good conversation to have stripped down to, well, what do I do about it? So I know 
I need to incorporate protein. I know how much protein. I know the sorts of proteins I should be incorporating. I guess the next part that I'm curious about is, does that then relate back to in order to have the benefits? So I've fed the muscle. I want the benefits from the muscle. I need to work the muscle out. I'm suspecting. So there's a guy listening to this or a girl on their way to work. They get up, they exercise regularly, they walk the dog or they go for a run from time to time. Is it fair to say they should be incorporating some resistance work into their day? Like, should we all be doing resistance Always. work? The, number one, the body thrives under challenge, thrives under mental challenge, and it thrives under physical challenge. And we were designed to do physical labor, pick heavy things up, and put them down. And whatever you don't use, you lose, right? So if you take away that stimulus, you know, when you contract a muscle, you secrete something called a myokine. And a myokine is actually an anti-inflammatory component, an anti-inflammatory molecule secreted by the muscle. And what this does is it lowers systemic inflammation. Number one. Number two, in order to maintain your muscle and your metabolism, you have to go out there and do resistance training. And I'm not talking about five or 10 pound weights or two kilogram weights. I'm talking about heavy compound movements. And the recommendation is that you train three or four times a week. I don't think that's enough. I think that we should be doing some resistance training. And this is just my opinion. This part is not the science, but I think that uh, people do well depending on the kind of volume that their body responds to. Can I just clarify? Because my Crohn's is flaring up at the moment. So it just occurred to me listening to what you're saying. If you're saying it it has anti-inflammatory properties, is that going to help is that going to help my Crohn's? Is that what we're saying? If you don't push it too far. So I, I actually treat patients with Crohn's. And with Crohn's, obviously, you use a specific carbohydrate diet. There's very specific foods that you that you need for Crohn's. You always have to figure out the trigger, whether it's a parasite or something along, those na- along that nature. But being physically active and not doing long bouts of cardio for Crohn's, I would absolutely recommend. I would absolutely recommend resistance training and full recovery. We quite often hear people saying, I don't like going to the gym. Gyms don't work for me. I don't like going to group sessions. Tell me somebody listening to this who wants to start to do resistance work. Perhaps we haven't done that before, so we're breaking ourselves into it. What's the starting point? What sorts of things do you normally recommend in a day-to-day lifestyle that could be incorporated into a resistance program without having to go and sign up potentially for a gym? The first thing that I would say is can't or won't. So if someone doesn't want to go to the gym or they don't, Have a plan, commit to it, and take action. The concept of working out in their apartment or in their home is really not adequate. And if you want to see change and get the benefits, then you're going to have to do what is uncomfortable. And that is get going, get to the gym, find a professional that can help you. But... You know, with my patients, I never enable them. I always make them capable. 
And, and I think that that's really so if I were to say you don't need to go to the gym, you can work out at home and do body weight exercise to break you in. That would be enabling them to not become the best version of themselves. That would make them have to wait for the motivation to actually feel comfortable enough to go to the gym. That, that may never come. So I don't actually do that. I recommend that they become capable and that they don't wait for the motivation and they don't wait for the comfort and they execute an action first. And that is whatever that means, getting them to the gym, getting them with a trainer and not waiting for that internal motivation to kick in. We tend to hear people say we need protein if we're working out and extra protein if we have some goals specifically to do with wellness and potentially bodybuilding. But you've, I've, I've seen you write or talk about that if we lead a sedentary lifestyle, so we're office bound, we are sitting in a truck driving all day long, a sedentary lifestyle actually needs more protein, which is quite contrary to the common belief that normally I hear people say you need more protein if you are doing more weights. The idea is that muscle is really stimulated by two ways. When you're young, it's actually driven by hormones. But as you age, what happens is it's now driven by dietary protein and resistance exercise. When we were hunters and gatherers and we were running around in the pasture and moving all the time, we actually required less protein because we got our stimulus from movement. But because we're no longer nearly as active, and we are much more domesticated, we have to make up for that metabolic uh, process somehow. And the way that we make up for that is through dietary protein. So in essence, we have to evolve our dietary habits to meet our changing physical demands, which are actually less. So a little while ago, we talked about the different sorts of proteins and we talked about say they're vegetarians or vegans, and people like Rich Roll, who is a very successful podcast and he's an ambassador for plant power, plant-based diets, they will all talk about the fact that they believe they get their protein from greens. Can they do that? Can they get sufficient, in your mind, can they get sufficient protein? Science doesn't support that. But here's the thing with Rich Roll is look how active he is. He's probably, I mean, he's so active that, I mean, I don't know how much muscle he has. He might be kind of a skinny guy, but, you know, the more active you are, really the less you need. You need some for protein, but it's, it's really clear that the, you can get enough protein from plants, but again, he might be eating four or six cups of quinoa a day, three times a day because he's doing so much cardio or whatever he's doing. So the more active you are, the more vegetarian your diet can be, but you have to be really, really active. And as you age, uh, it it doesn't help with the muscle tissue. But plants notoriously make the correct protein for plants, and animals tend to make the correct protein for animals. Can we cheat it? Can, can we supplement our way out of the debacle? And are, are, are there some supplements yeah, that are better than others? Like I, I use cricket powder, for example. Is, is that any good? Do you have any knowledge of that? Is that any good for me? I don't, but it, it, because it's a living animal, it's probably a higher 
protein profile, but I haven't looked at it. Gabrielle, you actually take breaks away from your protein consumption. Why Why do you do that? How does that benefit us? Uh, you know what? I have no data to support whether it does or it doesn't, but I typically eat a very high protein diet and I stay relatively lean most of the year. And I think that when we live in certain climates that we're not supposed to just eat the same thing all the time. So there might be a couple weeks in the summer where I'm very low protein. And then in winter, I tend to be higher protein, higher fat. I try to kind of be cyclical with the season. There's no science to support that, but I just can tell you that I, I feel best. And, um, so do my patients. How do you do it? Do you take a week, two weeks, it depends. Is it a four-week period? Like, I feel like typically a week. I don't go longer than a week. And is that taking a break from gravity-based yeah. proteins? Like you'd still be. I do, and it's not often. You know, I haven't done it in a while, but I, I definitely, you know, and I'm always open-minded to to trying different things. But you know, I, I did my training at. WashU in St. Louis, and I I did my fellowship in obesity medicine and geriatrics, and I ran this geriatric clinic. I ran an obesity clinic and a geriatric clinic, and what I can tell you is that looking at the continuum of a life cycle and seeing all the different dietary patterns, I saw the end result that you know with the lower consumption of protein and the higher carbohydrates, uh, how sick people were, and. Uh, you know, it's pretty depressing and it's, and it's all treatable and fixable and preventable. With the patients you're working with and the work you've done with your study, Gabrielle, is there a relationship at all between protein, muscle and brain fog? Like what's, is, is, there, is there a connection there? Well, in terms of brain fog, protein and muscle, I think that when people get brain fog, they really, there's a couple different things, but certainly people will tell you they have brain fog when their diet is too heavy in carbohydrates. And uh, we know that the largest site of insulin, of, gluco- of glucose disposal, insulin regulated glucose disposal is muscle. So it wouldn't make sense that the more muscle you have, the healthier your muscle, the more carbohydrates that you can tolerate and the lower brain fog that you would have, the sharper you would be. Yeah, it's funny because we've been convinced to go heavy on carbs with the food pyramids. We've been told to have cereals, breakfast cereals for breakfast. We really have been sold this story, haven't we? Yet it's now starting to be very evident that this is not doing us very good. Right, but look at how overweight and sick yeah. everyone got. <laughs> I mean, they were wrong. They, it was like kind of that big whoops, kind of like that big mistake. To be fair, it was probably based on the science of the time. I mean, I, I think back to sort of like the 70s when I was growing up and, you know, it was like you've got to have your wheat bix for breakfast because, you know, you need to grow up big and strong. And, and I guess probably the research at the time maybe pointed to that. I'm, I'm no expert. You might know better than me, but that's what would occur to me, right? Yeah. Well, I I think it was actually very agenda-driven. You could do a whole show on that around Ansel Keys and the whole... Right, okay. Let's not open that can of worms then. (laughs) Yeah, it is a a bit of a can of worms. Uh, Gabrielle, are you a person who buys into rituals and routines? Is it something you do and live by yourself? Is it something you recommend to your clients? Depends on what kind of rituals you're talking about. So a morning ritual, you wake up, you go through this certain set of steps each morning. I do. 
to get yourself prepared for the day or there's a wind down routine you have at the evening that it gets to this time and you do this, then you do that, do that, that gets you prepared for dinner or whatever. So, so do you have those sorts of routines? I do. I, um, in the morning I wake up and I meditate before I even get out of bed. I wake up and I meditate. Then I have coffee and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And I start my day with gratitude. And then after that, I will write a couple more targets of what I want to do today. Well, what are the, the kind of the goals? And then before I go to sleep, I think about what I could have done better. What went well today? What I could have done better? How could I have improved? How can I improve on that response going forward or whatever? I always try to learn something. I always try to learn a little bit so that the next time a stimulus comes up or an action comes up, I have advanced that behavior or that response. Do you journal? Is this going in your journal? I do journal. I do, yeah. We, we had a conversation yesterday with an ex-FBI guy. We were talking about writing down your goals. Do you, do you carry them around with you for the day? Do you put them on a piece of paper and keep them on you somewhere or do you just write them down in the morning and then sort of check them off at night? I used to do that. I used to carry them with me. I think that's much more effective. I have, I, that is actually on my to-do list for this week. So normally I just journal, but I am going to actually start carrying them with me. That's, that is my, my new thing this week. It's interesting that you guys were just talking about that. Yeah. Back in the day, you were a national semi-finalist in Fitness America and a professional fitness model and a nationally ranked figure competitor. Yeah. When you you look at what you know now, Gabrielle, what do you wish you knew back then that you know now? That it's all going to be okay. I mean, I I tend to push really hard. I mean, I did 17 years of education and um, I would have probably said to me, I would have done everything exactly the same but I may have done it with more ease. If we, if we close the loop on where we started uh, on protein, if somebody is in a situation where we are not probably eating enough protein or the right types of protein, what's the effect? Like what, what, can, what happens when we actually don't go down this protocol? What, what, what are the, what's the impact on us, do you think? You get skinny fat, you lose muscle tissue, and you gain body fat. You have blood sugar dysregulation, get cardiovascular disease, metabolic impairment, cognitive impairment, you name it. You no longer can maintain your metabolism and your strength and you're a fall risk. You, you wrote, I think it was a post- in your social media feeds that I saw. And it was something about the the learning has been exquisite, including these lessons are the following. And the number one lesson was never surrender your power, but stand in it. Just Can you just explain that for me? All the time. I mean, I see that in, in my clinic. And my main job is to remind people who they are and to remind them of their own internal strength. You followed that with a post that said, listen deeply to the voice within. It is wise. Yet it must be difficult for us when we have this voice of justification. I'm at a conference. There's nothing else to eat. Go ahead. You've worked out really hard today. You deserve it. How does one deal with that internal voice deeply, which is that voice of justification where it kind of knows the right thing to do, but there's a voice of justification which is much, much louder. 
which is giving us the reasons where it's okay not to do the right thing. How do you how do you deal with that? Well, you always have to plan not for where you're strong, but where you fail. So if you plan for the moments you know you're weak, you won't fail. So if you know that that is in your nature and you will be doing that and you will try to talk yourself out of your goal, plan for that. If you plan for your weak spots, you'll succeed. On the 19th of May, you said that within the span of three months, everything I thought was unshakable and unchanging changed. What did you have to, what did you go through? What, what, what changed? Well, I went through a divorce. I moved. I, my partner, you know, I was in business with my ex-husband. So really all of these things, I mean, that's pretty intense all, all at once, all within three months, your business partner, your marriage and your home all change. Pretty intense. I Look, that's, you know, I don't think it gets any deeper than that. I mean, that, that is super intense. So when you call upon your learnings, because it's interesting, Gabrielle, a lot of people will go through, not probably not as dramatic as that all at once, but they go through a lot and it's normally the catalyst where they fall off the rails, where they start to fall back to food, they don't exercise and they don't get enough sleep and all the, all the things we know that we need for optimum wellness go out the door when they face hard times like this. But being a person doing what you do and the standards you hold yourself to, you, how did you call upon your skills to get you through that period? It was a, it's a choice. You get to determine who you want to be. I got to determine how I wanted to show up. And uh, I wanted to show up in the, as, as the most powerful version of myself. Stress isn't inherently bad, right? Stress cultivates us to become better. Nobody ever got better lying on the sofa. Nobody ever became incredible without going through something. So, I mean, these were some really hard times, very financial hard, you know, major financial hardship, major things all at once. But, you know, I just decided how I was going to handle it. And I decided that stress wasn't bad, that it was an opportunity to really sharpen my internal sword and just, you know, choose a different way. Again, a more courageous response than a fight or flight response. Was your journal a, a piece of comfort for you? When you Did you really up your gratitude? Did you have to think long and hard about that? Was, did you share your feelings in that? Like, how, Did you use that journal a lot during that period? No, no, I didn't. I did the very best I could. I was always grateful. We always meditated. I tried to continue to do the things that I knew were good even if I didn't want to do them. But I also looked back on my old success, you know, and I trusted something bigger than myself that this was no different. It's, 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 it's interesting, Gabrielle, because you normally hear people talk about meditation when they are in normal day-to-day or aspiring to find peace. You don't often hear about stories of people who meditated through really dark times. Was that difficult? Yeah, it was difficult. And I don't even know if it was helpful, but I did it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, that's totally the truth. I don't know if it was helpful, but I knew no matter what I was going to get through it. Well, and I think you're here, you're being of enormous service to a lot of people. I think this conversation alone, although it's quite, 
I, I, I mean, we love having doctors on, Gabrielle, because it makes us sound a lot smarter. But number two, this topic is not a topic you'd expect to hear on a show like this. But gee, I just think that the stuff you're laying out in terms of longevity and wellness and energy and muscle and brain, I just defy anybody to not say that this is such a valuable topic just for helping them feel better and get their mojo working. I think it's terrific. Thanks. It's super important and it's very easy. These are simple steps that literally could change the trajectory of your listeners' lives. I mean, this is what I do. I see this every day. I take care of Navy SEALs, you know, special operations. I do a ton of athletes. I do a ton of weight loss. And these foundational principles of increasing high quality protein distributed over time, balanced with carbohydrates, not too many, but definitely not more than protein, change the trajectory of people's aging. The nutrition should be focused around protein, have your greens and a little bit of carbohydrates, people will feel so much better. I think, Gary, also there's one question we haven't addressed here that is vitally important. Um, and that is, does bacon qualify as protein? Not really. Kind <laughs> of a lot of fat. Damn it. Pigs, pigs, are, pigs are a bit low to the ground. Damn it. Okay. All right. Gabrielle, I just, you've, you've sparked my memory of something that I just want to ask you, which is a tad self-indulgent. But you went to Seal Fit with Mark Devine. Yeah. What What was that like? Just tell me, just indulge me because I've been fascinated by it. I've actually written to Mark a number of times to get him on the program, but he hasn't replied to my emails. Snob. So anyway, from a distance, um, how was it for you? So I have to tell you, I consider Mark a mentor and a, a teacher. I've been going down there for a number of years. He is one of the most well-thought-out, profound individuals I've ever met. He truly is like a modern-day sage. I I mean, I've learned yoga and meditation from him, and uh, as well as seal fit, which is great, which is the hard physical training. But he is truly a very evolved human being. Incredible, incredible human being. When you went through those difficult times in the middle of this year, did you go to your sage? And if you did, was there one piece of advice that Mark passed on to you that to this day you remember had a profound impact on you getting through and rising above? Well, he would always say get 1% better. Get 1% better every day and spend time in silence. And uh, all of those have that, that, those things stuck with me. Well, yeah. we will keep writing to Mark because uh, he is an incredible former SEAL incredible. and SEAL fit. I think it's, is it, is it best to describe it because you've done it? Would you describe it as it's a modern day, more accessible version of BUDS or Hell Week that the Navy SEALs would do in their recruitment? Tra- so that would be Kokoro. That's their 50 hour training. Yeah. So that's their 50 hour uh, training. Yeah, and that, that how would, is... How would you describe seal fit then? So seal fit is more of the day-to-day heavy workload training. It's, it's as if it's an amplified, well-thought-out CrossFit geared towards military. You're obviously still in great shape. You're, you, you must work out daily. Are you still doing um, a lot of resistance work yourself? Like to, to get through seal fit, you must be in pretty damn good shape. <laughs> well, actually, I sustained quite a bit of injury for our training 
um, <laughs> for uh, Kokoro. But yeah, I do resistance training every day. In fact, I have a, an amazing coach that puts together all my stuff and she, you will see her soon. I, I can't give it away, but she'll be coming on a show, an NBC show. You guys should have her on and I will connect you once they announce it in January. All over it. <laughs> I, I, will, um, I will definitely connect you. She is pretty fantastic. Well, we think you're pretty fantastic. We thank you for giving us your time. As I said before, this is a great topic. Indeed. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Where where do people go to? I know there's a whole um, Lion protocol. There's a lot of value in your the work you do, Gabrielle. Where Where is the hub for you? Where do you send people? I'm very active on Instagram. They can find me there. They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and... Am I missing one? I'm working on a YouTube channel. Yes. But it's all under Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And is there a, is that the, the website is the same? DrGabrielleLyon.com. In my Instagram tag is Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gabrielle. This has been great. We appreciate your time. We know how busy your calendar must be, but you squeezed us in here on the Little Mojo Radio Show. So, um... Thank you. It's been it's been a true privilege. Fascinating is the word I would use. Fascinating. Good word. Can't spell it, but good <laughs> word, Robert. The Mojo Radio Show. I don't know whether it's because I have Crohn's, but the ones where we talk about nutrition always fascinate me. Now, what I want to know is, so what? What are you going to do about this? Like, what's, what's your take out of Dr. Gabrielle that you're going to do something with? Well, I, I'm actually interested in something she said to me off the air, which is that there's been a lot of work done with Crohn's with carbohydrates because that actually flies in the face of everything I've been told about carbohydrates and Crohn's. So I, that's actually my takeout is I'm actually, I actually want to investigate that. Why not? Or are you going to? Well, I want to, uh, and I'm going to both. I have got to say that morning we spoke to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and she asked us what we had for breakfast. And it just so happened that morning I was having grass-fed beef. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As a late breakfast, I'll be having the same thing this morning. But I have found myself having a lot more beef for breakfast, but having a late breakfast around. Now, it's not possible for everyone to do this. I get that. However, as Dr. Gabrielle said, I'm not going to let you off the hook. If it's important to you, you will do the work and you will take it with you in a plastic container to work or on the road with you. However, I've got to say, I it's quite an interesting thing to fast through until nine or 10 o'clock, give your system a chance to clean itself out and, and metabolize all the food from the night prior. But it's really interesting. I would, uh, I would do some research to see what it would be like with Crohn's to do beef or lamb or chicken or fish with some eggs and some greens for breakfast uh, and have it later in the day. I have noticed a significant increase in energy and particularly strength as the day wears on. So uh, anyway, just something to yeah. think about. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe uh, maybe if there's something about carbohydrates, maybe it's uh, steak and potatoes, steak and taters for breakfast. In fact, I think if we had Gabrielle on the line, we are going to get her back on the line because she did request some Vegemite, which you have sent in the post. Mm. So we are going to get Dr. Gabrielle back on the line in a couple of weeks' time once she's tried Vegemite. <laughs> but maybe it's a good she conversation She might not come have. back after trying Vegemite. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that. Uh, I would say if you are going to do it, you would do a... a Protein. What did she say? A gravity, a gravity-based protein. Gravity-based protein. Yeah. 
crazy, and isn't it? And you would go sweet potatoes because that is a carbohydrate for your glycemic index is that it processes in a different way to the normal starches. So quite often your experts say if you are going to have carbs of some description with your protein, sweet potato is the normal go-to. So I would do my own research because we are not doctors on this program and nor do we profess to be them. But I think I think what, what, what I find about Dr. Gabrielle's stuff is that at the back of all this, the question that I would get everyone to ask themselves is what's your wellness identity? And this is something that's been an underlying thread through the show now for what, six months, you reckon? Yeah, probably. I mean, long, probably longer than that, but it's probably, it's probably bubbled to the top more in the last six months. Yeah, absolutely. It's been probably been, we've talked about self-awareness now for five seasons, but identity probably started with Dr. Simon Marshall and it really has bubbled to the top. But here's the homework, folks. Right here, right now. Sitting in a bus, sitting in a train, in your car, wherever you're listening. If you did what Dr. Gabrielle Lyon has outlined in this show, if you are disciplined and you stick to it, eat the right things at the right time, you lift weights of some description, you build your strength, apply the lessons... If you look in the mirror, what identity would you create? Who would you be? What would you be doing? And as importantly, what would you not be doing? If you did that and you had that identity, what impact do you want to have on yourself? What influence do you want to have on your children, your family, your loved ones? If you were at your healthy, strong, fit, physical best... Who are you? What's your identity? How would you look? How would you feel? Think about what your identity would be that you are either living now or the, or the identity you'd like to become. And once you've got it in your mind, it all starts right now. We're out. Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at the Mojo Radio Show.com. 
For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.